Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Han Talks First. And this is the segment of the show we simply call the Bad Batch Reviews. I, of course, am Han, and this week we're talking about episode three, titled Replacements. This was a dark episode. It was filled with lots of massacre, evil planning, and dark tones. But while it was the darkest episode so far, we did see some of the sweetest moments from the show, mostly those of which involving Omega being inducted into this new family of hers, the Bad Batch. But it was also dark in a literal sense. The lighting of this episode was brilliant. It had heavy, dark shades, kind of film noir-esque, not really, but it was plain enough that you could still see the colors in like the foliage of the forest scenes and also each different character designs, the costuming, the creature designs too. It was just lit very well. So let's start off with talking about one of the main characters and the one who left the group last couple episodes, Crosshair. So we left off the last two episodes by Crosshair being separated from the Bad Batch, and he is now this type of guinea pig to Tarkin's new military. Now, the Empire refers to Crosshair as CT-9904, and they say he is the top specimen for this new project called Project War Mantle, and they're going to bring him in because they see him as the most effective part of the old Clone Force 99 unit, and he will be the new commander of this new project. Now, we've already established that Crosshair's actions and decisions to go with the rest of the clone troopers is influenced by his inhibitor chip. You know, as he says in every episode, a good soldier obeys orders. But this is important in this episode because the Bad Batch realized that it wasn't Crosshair's fault. And throughout this episode, we get to see their grief when they come to terms with the fact that he has been seduced by the dark side, so to speak, and now a part of the Empire. But we don't just see it from the Bad Batch, we also see it from Crosshair, like when he goes into their old holding cell and he sees the tally marks on the walls. So he too misses them and they miss him. So it's kind of a, a lovely little relationship they have there where it just shows that they miss each other and they're still human underneath all of their programming. Getting back to some of like the dark stuff in this episode, uh, with Crosshair especially, when he straight up murdered that first girl who didn't know where Saul Guerrero was and then proceeded to execute the other survivors of what is the rebellion. And the other soldier who wasn't a fan of a clone being their commander of this unit tried to go against his orders. And then Crosshair's just like, do you know why they put me in charge of this unit? And then he's all like, oh my God, I screwed up. I shouldn't have said anything. I'm an idiot. And then he kills him. And it was like, wow, this, this guy is bad. This guy's a bad guy, but he's like, of course he's been seduced. This isn't really Crosshair. I mean, he's always been kind of firm and aggressive at times, but he's he's under the influence of somebody else and it's not his fault, which is kind of sad. It's a really, it's just a dark episode. Now, last week we talked about how in this show we are going to see the transition from the Republic to the Empire through the way of the clone troopers now becoming stormtroopers. And we get to see a lot more of that in episode three. And we've seen that the, the Empire is taking on volunteers of unscripted recruits from all across the galaxy to come in be a part of their army and be trained by their most elite clones that they have. Crosshair being the main example. We're getting closer to stormtroopers. But through all of this, there's like a little side story about the Kaminoans and how they're afraid that they're 
they're going to run out of business because the empire wants to switch to regular soldiers and go away with the clones and the Kaminoans are just like, this is all we know how to do. Please don't take away our business. We'll have to open up a 7-Eleven. Now, I only point this out because I think it's interesting because they obviously have some sort of contingency plan that was revealed in this episode. We don't know what, but it has something to do with Jango Fett's DNA and evolving some kind of new clone, maybe some kind of free agent, like a super clone or something like that to come take out the other guys. Now, meanwhile, parallel to this, we are with the Bad Batch and they stumble across a a desert plane because their ship broke down and is in need of repairs and we come across this new dragon now a lot of people get annoyed when we spend a lot of time with animals in the star wars universe especially in the animated stuff but i think creatures are so important to star wars whether they can speak or not now the creature we got introduced to this time was a creature called the ordor moon dragon and i thought it was pretty cool it reminded me a lot of that panther-like creature from the Avatar movie. And it also sounds like a Velociraptor. I don't know if any of you caught that, but Lucasfilm was like, let's put in the Velociraptor sound effect from Jurassic Park. But anyway, for those of you who weren't that into the whole creature aspect of it, it does play an important role in this episode, especially involving the character Omega, and here's why. So we see throughout this episode that Omega continues to pick up other clones' traits and embracing her own uniqueness by possessing skills of each of the defective clone. And in this episode, we see her going along with Hunter, tracking down this creature so they can get the part back for their ship. And while they do that, she's picking up his tracking abilities and trying to learn that for herself. And when she tracks down the creature herself, she stumbles across its, I guess what, it was his home or something like that, its den. And she starts to connect with it. And a lot of people before were saying, hey, we think Omega is force sensitive. I think this proves that she is not force sensitive in the fact where she is a Jedi or she can play mind tricks, but everyone can use the force, right? And she is force sensitive in the aspect that she is able to connect with the world in ways that other people cannot or have not trained to at this point. And her connection with that animal is very similar to Ezra's in Star Wars Rebels and how he has this very close connection with other animals of the world. It just proves that Omega is a, a hypersensitive being. It doesn't mean that she is going to be able to lift things up with her mind or the force. It just means that she has a very strong connection with her environment. Last week, we also talked about how in this show, we are going to see the rise of what will become the rebellion. And it looks like that is going to start off with its pioneer, Saw Gerrera. The Empire is very keen on trying to find Saw Gerrera because they know that he has the ability to grab the attention of other people and rally together and fight against this cause. So it'll be interesting to see how this transitions into the rebellion that we learn to know in A New Hope. Most importantly, I think the thing to take away from this episode is the theme of family and how the family is whoever you choose it to be. And Omega wasn't supposed to be a part of this team, the Bad Batch, but she goes with them because she believes in them. They're defective clones, similar to how she is, and they get to rally together because of their differences, not because of their similarities. And they work together and they find a common connection and I think the best part about this episode was the ending. Similar to how the last two episodes, the ending was my favorite of those as well. And they make her a bed. More specifically, Wrecker makes her her own room in the ship, which was really sweet. And you could see it meant a lot to her. And 
I like Omega. She's just really cute. And I can't wait to see more of her going forward. That's my review of The Bad Badge Episode 3. Be sure to come back next week. On Sunday, we'll be doing the review and breakdown of Episode 4. I really like this show. I like it a lot more than I thought I would. And I can't wait to keep talking about it. Don't forget, we are going live tomorrow for the regular Han Talks first show. We got a lot of great topics to discuss. So if you're free, stop on by. It's at 12 p.m. Pacific time, live. If you can't make it live, don't worry. It'll be on the podcast later. So check that out. Links in the description below. Please give this video a like. Comment what your favorite part about this show is. And I will see you next week. And now, somehow, someway, somewhere this week, may the force be with you. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first.